yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a scary time. And having said that with like any sort of sporting story of an injury or a, or a setback or something that doesn't quite go to plan, um, once you get through the other side of it and, and now it sort of just gave me even more of an appreciation of how lucky I was to be playing and, um, yeah, to get back out in the field and play again after that was a huge sort of goal of mine. And yeah, um, yeah, thankfully I was able to go out and play again and it just gave me a greater enjoyment after that incident, knowing that, um, yeah, the cricket journey can be taken away from you as quick as you believe. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. I'm your host, Jason Colley, and on this episode of the show, I'm joined by a man who has been a fixture in the Victorian and Melbourne Renegades cricket teams for the past few years. Sam Harper, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jase. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you for a chat. It is off-season at the moment for the Australian cricket season. Do you um, still try and stay involved in the game or do you try and get away for a little bit? Uh, immediately following the season, yeah, I try and get away for a little bit and, um, yeah, just have a four or five-week break. Um, for me, that was spending a fair bit of time with my wife and um, young son, Finn, who's now 11 months, uh, yeah, who I right. sort of missed a little bit throughout the season just with the normal everyday travels of um, of cricket, which was, uh, yeah, which was had its challenges at times seeing him grow up really quickly and not being there for a little bit of that. So it was nice to spend yeah, four or five really good weeks with him. And um, yeah, also could just give George a little bit of a chop out and an extra set of hands on, on deck for all the parents out there. We'll understand and appreciate that. So yeah, that's been really enjoyable. And then yeah, preseason's just about to kick off and get underway. So being back in the gym and back in the nets and getting back into it. Very good. As much as you must enjoy being a professional cricketer, that time that you get to spend with your family during the off-season would be very precious as well, I imagine. Yeah, it definitely is, Jace. I'm a huge family man, so um, yeah, I'll love when the summer's rolling around and the cricket season's on, but equally for me, um, yeah, love also just getting down to the coast and getting down to the beach with um, Jordan and Finn and just dewinding and relaxing for a few weeks. Fantastic. Well, um, we're going to jump into a few quick get-to-know-you type questions if you're happy to dive in. We know who Sam Harper is as a cricketer, but we don't know much about you as a man. So we'll dive straight into some of those questions. Nothing too complicated, though. <laughs> no worries. What's the most used app on your phone? Uh, at this time of year, Swellnet, uh, which is the surf report. Um. Yeah, something. Uh, also, YouTube gets a fair workout. Love watching golf highlights, and probably the most used app would be Ko. Ko, fair enough. So you're a big sports fan, not just cricket. Yeah, not just cricket. Yeah, love my footy, golf. Uh, yeah, if there's sport on, I'll I'll get into it. Ma mainly Australian sport. Not too much of an American sports man, although I do follow sort of the basketball playoffs and so forth. But yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely love my cricket, football and golf. Yep. Being a Victorian, I imagine AFL's your game. So which team do you support? It is. I funnily enough follow Brisbane. Uh, yeah, Good my man. dad yeah, dad was a Fitzroy man. So when they 
change to the Brisbane Bears in 96. Um, yeah, that was when I was born. So um, followed them up north and been lucky enough to go to a few games at the Gabba, which I really nice. enjoyed. And whenever they come down to Melbourne Town, I, I go watch, although I don't know if I'm a very good luck for them. We don't seem to have too good <laughs> success at the MCG. So <laughs> might have to start watching them from home. Yeah, maybe they're saving their wins for a grand final again one day at the G. Fingers crossed, Jace, with you. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, what's something you eat or drink too much of? Oh, uh, chocolate, definitely. I'm a sweet too. Yep. Particularly after 6 p.m. So, yeah, once dinner's, once dinner's done, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bad time of night. <laughs> Although uh, some would say it's a great. Some would say it's a great time of night. I'm actually okay if there's a if there's nothing in the fridge, I'm fine. I don't really, yeah, search after it. But if there's chocolate in the fridge, I find it very hard to resist. Yeah, yeah, man after my own heart. And something yeah, a, which most athletes I speak to say chocolate is their weakness. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sweet, definitely a profound sweet tooth. <laughs> very good. Uh, what do you think you would have done with your life if you weren't a professional cricketer? Good question, Jace. Um, I'm currently halfway through a PE degree um, at uni, so maybe something in the education field. Um, and, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of work experience – well, not work experience, just exploring some different avenues with some of the contacts in in cricket. So, I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I'm doing the education degree to hopefully have a uni degree when cricket's finished and we'll just see what sort of doors and pathways open. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to a career and life outside of cricket as well. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's obviously a career you try to prolong as long as you can, but you've still got the large proportion of your life left even when you're done. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Jason. Even the really successful cricketers who make it into their 30s, um, yeah, they've still got 30, 40 years of a working life left. And, yeah, that daunts some people, but for me, I find that really exciting. I'm extremely blessed and lucky to be able to play sport for a living at the moment. But, uh, yeah, when that chapter does close, hopefully – one day in the long-term future, um, yeah, I look forward to stepping into something else. Yeah. Do you have a piece of sports memorabilia or gear which you could never part with? Uh, I used to sleep with the Brisbane Lions teddy and the cricket ball. <laughs> um, which is funny. One of my favourite – I do have them both. Um, one of my favourite bit of sporting memorabilia would be I went to the 2018 British Open and was an happily – say I was a golfing nuff and went and got all my favourite golfers to sign uh, the 18th green flag. That's cool. Yeah, so I got about 20 of them on there. So, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a cool one for me. And that's always been a big one. Like if there's ever a little kid at the game and I just want to go down to the change rooms and disappear after the game for a night, not, not, that, I'm, not that I'm anywhere near the level of these golfers, but just, yeah, it did teach me how much just giving back and giving time to some young kids and any clinics or school visits or anything we do. Um, I know how exciting it was for me to get people like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth to sign that flag. So, yeah, it was good perspective. That's that's brilliant that you give back as well because I, I, I was that little kid one day lining up outside the Gabba two hours before the game, two hours after, waiting for players to come in and go out. And that's just great that you, you're so willing. And I think a lot of players are these days, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, Jace. Just a yeah, quick funny story there. The cricket ground that I play for my club side at is the Albert Ground in St Kilda. And um, the park view across the road, the hotels where the Brisbane Lions used to stay 
back in our dominant era of 2001, two and three. So I used to always go and um, yeah, lie in the Albert and go out in the Albert where we now play our club career and watch Brisbane train and um, big Bo McDonald, our former Ruckman, along with Jonathan Brown. I remember crawling through legs of patrons who'd lined up and just cause I was a small kid, I managed to weasel my way to the front and get some of their signatures, which was, yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Great story and great memory that you can still go to the same place, like um, even now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm sure you think of that every time you're there. Um, speaking of your heroes being the Lions when you were younger, who was your sporting hero growing up? Uh, good one, Jace. Probably from a football perspective, I used to love um, almost our midfield of Simon Black and Luke Power and Michael Voss, those, those guys, I think I had numerous different jumpers that would click between number three of Voss, number six of Power, number 20 of Black, sometimes 36 of Bradshaw got a run, 16 of Brown. It just depended on, usually at Auskick, I was about three foot two. So it was usually Luke Power, <laughs> the small little guy. Yep. Um, but or yeah, sometimes I'd, Ackermanis, I couldn't do a headstand like Jason Ackermanis, <laughs> although I did try many times in the backyard. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a great photo of my brother and I in the backyard where I've got my full Brisbane Lions kit on and he's got his full Richmond Tigers kit on. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're great memories I had um, from a young kid. And, yeah, a lot of those Brisbane Lions players um, growing up, yeah, were sort of my heroes. Yeah, do you have any cricketing heroes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm probably just a standard yeah, early 2000s sort of kid when I was seven or eight. Um, yeah, it was Gilchrist, Ponting, Hussey, all these guys coming through were just so entertaining to watch. I mean, probably for me was Adam Gilchrist was a um, a big one, just being a wicketkeeper and just yeah. like any sort of cricket fan, if Adam Gilchrist strode to the crease, the telly was just always on and it wasn't off until he went out because usually while he was at the crease, it was just so entertaining. That's right. Yeah, so you were predominantly playing cricket in your younger years. That's kind of the sport you were concentrating on. I was, Jason. I was cricket, a cricket nuts. To be fair, like we had a cricket pitch in our backyard, and um, yeah, I was I was cricket obsessed. But along with that, I was probably more sport obsessed. To be fair, and one thing that I'm probably very thankful to my parents for is that it was never just cricket. It was always. Um, yeah, balance of athletics, do swimming, go play golf, play footy in the winter, play cricket in the summer. Um, we had a basketball ring and soccer goals. Like we, it was just basically as many sports as you could fit in um, to the backyard as possible. But my brother and I would play like most brothers would in their, in the backyard experiences. And definitely at a young age and definitely into my early teenage years, cricket was the sport I enjoyed the most. And probably then through my high school years was obviously the one that I wanted to pursue the most. But um yeah, I'm glad that I was never fixated on one sport as a kid growing up. And that I think that just made cricket just as enjoyable as the summer and gave me a good break in the winter to go and play um, yeah, football. Yeah, and you did grow up in the underage representative teams for Victoria. So that was kind of a natural path for you then, being naturally gifted at cricket? Yeah, it was. I think I was quite lucky. Um, I had some access to some great coaching Um Dad at the time was coaching the St Kilda and Melbourne Premier teams. Um, so, yeah, but one one thing Dad always did was he never asked me to go to the Nets. Um, he never told me. That, like, he was he would always, looking back now, he would say nothing until I asked, uh, until I was the one wanting to go. And he just, 
um, yeah, that just sort of, it was always my passion and want, want to go and want to get better and just want to have fun, really. We just made it enjoyable. Um, yeah, so again, I know I've said it before, but I was thankful for dad because I've, I've read many sporting autobiographies, especially it seems to be a correlation in individual sports where yeah. sometimes the parents can be quite forceful on their kids from yep. a young age. And while some of them have, have made it to the highest level, it usually does lead to burnout or a non-enjoyment for the game, even if they are playing at the highest level. So, um, yeah, very thankful for that. Yeah, and um, you you captain some of these underage teams as well. Um, what what kind of set you apart, even at the young age, as a leader amongst those groups? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good one, Jason. It's not something I really thought about at the time. I was just a yeah, as I said before, just a young cricket obsessed kid. Um, yeah, I, I'd hope to think that in my junior years, that just some of the things that um, Mum and dad definitely instilled in me with just being a nice, kind person, um, playing cricket to enjoy with a smile, um, loving training and loving playing. One of the reasons I love playing cricket so much is just playing in teams. So I was, it was quite natural for me to just enjoy being a teammate and a friend. Um, and yeah, to this day, one of the things I, I enjoy most about this game of cricket is nothing to do with the actual sport. It's just the friends and um lifelong mates that I now luckily enough get to work with each day. Um, I don't like calling it work because it's not really a real job. It's we get to <laughs> play what we loved playing in the backyard for a living. So um, yeah, I, I just think that's so cool that we get to um, try and achieve something together. So um, yeah, I think that naturally maybe led to a few um, leadership opportunities, although sometimes the potential in the underage pathways is the, the player sometimes who has the most cricketing, IQ can just be easily handed the captaincy. So, um, Fair yeah, but le that leadership and sort of role model stuff is something I'm really passionate about. And, um, yeah, more than just my cricket skill, just the, the, the sort of teammate and friend I can be to everyone is something I place in really high regard. Yeah, that's brilliant. And you talk about being around a playing group as well. It's not just 11 out on the field. There's a large squad that come together. Is it 25 or something in most state squads? Yeah, it's, it's roughly about that, Jace. We obviously have um, a core group of fully contracted players and then each year we usually get a bunch of 18, 19-year-old rookies who um, come into the pathway system. And I remember for me at that time, that was quite a daunting experience. So, yeah, one of the things that I'm trying to do at the moment is make sure that any sort of new player that comes into our system can feel as, as welcome and um, as valued as quick as possible. Yeah, and... You mentioned your rookie contract. That was the 2015-16 season. I looked at the yep. squad from that season and there were 18 players who had played for Australia or would go on to play for Australia in that squad. So, like you say, that must have been such an intimidating environment to go into. Yeah, it was. But on the same level, it was one of the most exciting environments. I mean, I remember the February that I debuted just out of school um yeah i was it almost felt like a bit of a computer game like i was we keeping on the mcg to peter siddle from one end and james pattinson from the members end um and then we had a very ordinary scott boland boland first change who's the like it was just a phenomenal attack we had yeah scott boland as you see what he's doing now is first change christian rain has been an amazing shield bowler second change spinners were john holland and farwood ahmed both played test cricket yeah. Um, I think that the bowler missing out was 
someone who'd went on to play for Australia. So yeah, that speaks yeah. volumes about the squad. Yeah, what a, what a team that was. Um, you made your debut that season. Um, how did you cope with the pressure? You said just out of school. How did you cope with that? Was were you a bit overawed by the experience? Um, I don't know if I was a bit overawed. I I was definitely just completely as any debutante is at any age, um, had that real mix of excitement, adrenaline, nerves, anxiety, um, all those emotions just wrapped up into one. And I, I think the build-up to the game was probably more mentally exhausting than the actual game itself. I think just the six or seven days prior finding out you were playing, then every day was just a countdown till the actual game. Um, and once I was out there, like, what I'm glad about is that I actually, I can remember vividly my debut being out there and just soaking in how cool it was to be keeping out there and I think this is quite common that at the time like when you're keeping to the likes of Siddle and Pattinson you're not really thinking that this is going to be a 10-year thing you're sort of just going how cool this I'm playing a game and if this is all that happens in my career I've lived my childhood dream and I'll be happy Um, but then like most things as a as a kid who played cricket growing up and wanting to make this my career for so long once I'd played one game and got a taste of it all I wanted to do was just keep playing more and more so um yeah it sort of gave me the bug to even work try and work harder and um yeah put myself in the sort of the position I was today to just still be lucky enough to keep playing yeah great uh, about 12 months after your debut there was an incident at the Adelaide Oval where you suffered a concussion do you, do you want to tell us what happened there um, how that kind of come about and how you dealt with that situation? Yeah, sure, Jace. Um, so I just very unluckily got wrapped around the head with Jake Lehman's cricket bat. Um, yeah, he was just playing a pool shot, doing nothing nothing wrong at all. And yeah, it was just an unfortunate freak accident. The bat hit me in the bat. Uh, the bat hit me in the head. Um, and yeah, that led to a, a really bad two or three month period of my life where I did unfortunately have a really severe concussion that led to weeks and weeks on end of dizziness, um, headaches, migraines, fatigue. Yeah, you name it, really. Um, it was a little bit of a scary fortnight, three weeks there while the yeah, the surgeons and everyone was trying to sort of um, work out what was, was going on. I had a fair few ECGs and all the light going into my brain to just make sure everything okay. And thankfully now everything absolutely is okay. So, um, yeah, very thankful for that. But, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a scary time and, Having said that, with like any sort of sporting story of an injury or a, or a setback or something that doesn't quite go to plan, um, once you get through the other side of it and and now it sort of just gave me even more of an appreciation of how lucky I was to be playing and, um, yeah, to get back out in the field and play again after that was a huge sort of goal of mine. And, yeah, um, yeah, thankfully I was able to go out and play again and it just gave me a greater enjoyment after that incident knowing that, um, yeah, the cricket journey can be taken away from you as quick as you believe. So that's it. How how long were you out for? Well, thankfully, but not thankfully, it happened in February. So I missed the last six weeks of the cricket season, and then April and May, our time off was when I was still not feeling great at all. But uh, by the time this next preseason came around, I'd done probably eight weeks of rehab at the Epworth Hospital, concussion brain rehab with a with a lady there who was fantastic. And then, yeah, by the time preseason sort of rolled around for the following year, I was back ingrained in the group and back with keeping and batting and gym and running fully. So, yeah, it was probably thankful it didn't happen in October or November. Otherwise, it could have really ruled me out probably for the whole season. 
Yeah, that I mean, that sort of incident puts into perspective that it is just a game. Obviously, it's a game you love. It's something you enjoy doing, but head injuries especially, with the focus on those in Australian sports at the moment, the severity and how serious they can be is really something which we're kind of learning a bit more about. Yeah, we are, and no doubt the research and everything moving forward is um, is great. And, uh, yeah, and probably unfortunately we're seeing the result of the 1980s, 70s, 60s, where concussion really wasn't respected or looked at that greatly. Um, and, yeah, these people are having lifelong effects. So I feel extremely sorry having gone through some of the symptoms that these guys are now facing on a daily basis. And it just, yeah, um, having been through it, I can see why it's so important. And I will always be preaching in the camp of um, head protection, especially in any sort of game like NRL, rugby, football. Yeah. Um, those games where there's repeated impact, just knowing that when you do get to 30, 35 and your sport, whatever that may be, does end, that you do want to, as we touched on before with family, you want to be able to have a really good quality of life following that as well. Yeah. But was there ever any stage where you kind of thought, well, this might be the end of everything for me or where the doctors thought that you may not make it back? Uh not really. There was probably a time about a week in where things weren't tracking very well. Um, and yeah, the symptoms, which were supposed to be probably disappearing, were just weren't disappearing. Um, but no, thankfully, the, the neurosurgeons I had, and I was lucky enough to have dad over in there, over in Adelaide with me. Um, and whether it was even fake at times, everyone was just so positive and so helpful. Um, yeah, there was never really a time where I didn't see myself playing cricket again or sport again, although, the, yeah, there was a time where if the symptoms didn't get any better, then I would have potentially had to look at a decision that was best for my long-term health. But, yeah, thankfully they all passed and, um, yeah, fortunate enough to be to have played cricket ever since and not really had anything like – I've had one other concussion about a couple of years later with where I very sillily jumped over um, Nathan Ellis in a BBL game, but that was pretty, pretty minor. I just had con- concussion symptoms for about a week and then I was – pretty quickly back playing. Yeah, that would have been a fright, though, knowing what you'd been through previously when that happened initially. Yeah, it was. And yeah, probably something a lot of people don't know is that I actually stopped playing football in year nine at school and went and played hockey um, because I'd had probably four or five pretty bad concussions playing football growing up. So, like, yeah, I did have a little bit of a history there and I wanted to do everything I could to protect that. So I went and played hockey, which was a weird decision in the end, not really knowing hockey that, that this hard white ball was going to ping around and probably just as dangerous as football. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. Touch wood, I've been lucky that since since sort of Adelaide 2017, I've had a pretty good run. That was probably one of the low low points of your career. I'll take you now to one of the highlights of your career, I imagine, the Big Bash final at Docklands Stadium. Yeah, that was probably, well, definitely the best day of cricket I've ever been involved in. Um, yeah, I, I think like anything, um, any game where you think you've lost and then you end up winning, there's just that euphoric 10 to 15 minute period there where no one gives you any hope or a chance. And then, yeah, we took six for 15 in 17 minutes and it was just the most amazing 20 minutes of my life, really. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that day and that afternoon at Marvel. And, and like you said before, with going to the outlet where Brisbane used to train, every sort of game I've played at Marvel ever since, or even when I go and watch the AFL there, I sort of always reminisce that 15 minutes. And, yeah, it's very special 
from time to time I even go and watch YouTube and watch the Melbourne Stars batting innings highlights and just see us take those wickets and just the crowd and the energy of us players. Um, and yeah, that, that memory will, will forever be with me. And I think that memory will be with me because prior to that, um, sometimes the untold things in sport are what make the moment so great. Like the year or two prior to that season where I had sort of a breakout season in the BBL, things hadn't really been going my way as much. Like I hadn't really been scoring many BBL runs I'd only played probably three or four games and been in and in and out of the team. Um, I ended up swapping clubs over to the Renegades. So yeah, you beat your former team. Yeah, all those things sort of built up, and then when you win it and you have a successful season as a team and personally, um, yeah, it just makes it all the more enjoyable. The, the the dynamic must be interesting there because these are your state teammates. A lot of the players from the Stars, a lot of the players from the Renegades, all Victorian cricketers. And you face each other in the final. Do you do you kind of rub it in a little bit to those guys, or how how do you handle those relationships? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it, Jace? To be fair, that team consisted of people like um, Ben Dunk and Mark Stoinis and um, Dwayne Bravo, um, yeah, Jackson Bird, Liam Plunker. A lot of these guys were either overseas international or actually people the stars have got from like franchise cricket is that got from interstate. So there wasn't actually too many of my immediate Victorian teammates in that side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no doubt when we play the Renegades versus Stars match, any any of the players who are uh, teammates, I remember one of my really good friends, Campbell Kelloway, was batting in one of his first games for the Melbourne Stars this year. And I was out there keeping for the Renegades. And that was his first, one of his first BBL games on the, on the MCG. So that was pretty funny having a little bit of banter with him and, yeah, just it's funny when you keep into one of your really close mates in such a big game. Yeah, and one of the wicket keepers' kind of untold jobs out in the middle is to to have a bit of niggle with the opposition batsman. Um, what what were you saying during that match? You know, the stars looked like they were coasting to victory. Did you have any any chirp, or is that the time you keep your mouth shut and you've got nothing to say? I wouldn't say I got nothing to say. I'm definitely. I'm not really a chirper, really. Like, I'm more an encourager um, for my team. I, I might, if I know the person batting, say something funny um, just between us that I know. But yeah, each their own. I personally choose to play my cricket in a certain way and try and let my actions and competitiveness just dictate in the way I play, not necessarily through the words I use. That's just a personal sort of choice. But um, yeah, maybe that's a little bit unique to the keeping fraternity because usually the keepers are a bit chirpy and happy to have a crack at an opposition batter but that's not really sort of who I've ever been as a person so um, yeah I'm as competitive as anyone whether it's playing a board game at home or playing a game of cricket or playing golf on the weekend but yeah for me there's a certain way that I like to play that is respectful as well and that, that I'm always sort of I would like to think anyone that's played against me would go yeah he's competitive but he plays in the right way yeah playing in the right spirit there is it is important as well. Um, is that values which were instilled with kind of in you as a youngster or is that something you've made a decision yourself to kind of conduct yourself and play in that spirit? Oh, definitely in my, um, definitely in my family. I mean, yeah, I played a lot of golf as a kid growing up in the same group as my dad, just playing at our local course. And uh, yeah, we were always big on, being good company for the other people you're meeting at the first time in golf, um, not getting so sucked in in how your day was going and making an effort to sort of interact with the other people you're playing with. Same as 
cricket, making sure your teammates are having a good day, just as you, just if you're having a good day, celebrating their success. Um, and yeah, a, a hard one for cricket when you're a kid is that if you're a batter and you miss out, your day is sort of done. So yeah, it's easy, a bit easy now as a 26 year old, but I remember as a 12, 14, 15 year old, that used to just shatter me if I missed out with the bat and my day was done like that. I was grumpy and yeah, I was disappointed that I'd failed with the bat. Um, but yeah, mum and dad were always huge on just being a really good team person. And yeah, just another big one for me is my is my faith and the way I want to be as a human being, um, which is consistent, not just with my sport, but just life as a whole. So trying to stay consistent in that as a person. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I am a huge believer that people will remember how you played your sport and the skill that you brought, but they'll also remember sort of who you are as a person as well. And I'd like to... Um, I'd like to hope that I can be having as positive influence on my team as possible. Yeah. It's the, the old adage that people don't remember what you do or how, or um, what you give them. It's how you make them feel. And that's yeah, basically totally. what you're describing. So those relationships are so important. That's, that's brilliant. Um, we, we touched on a little bit very briefly earlier, moving from the stars to the renegades um, franchise cricket now, specifically with T20 has almost made everybody just a gun for hire and there's a lot of contractual um, negotiations going on constantly, obviously within the windows, which the big bash allows. But um, yeah. there's a lot of player movement and that sort of thing. Um, it, how, how, how do you deal with that, you know, when there's media speculation about people coming and going, how that may impact what, what you're doing, even where you're living, if you're moving to another franchise or something like that. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Jace. Especially, I think it's interesting within Australian sport. Um, anyone who follows sort of American sport knows that sort of franchise way of sport. So they just know that player change and player movement is just completely normal and accepted. I think as Australians, one of our greatest qualities is a lot of sportsmen are very loyal to their yes to the team and i'm a, quite a loyal person so when i'm sort of invested i'm invested 100 into whether it is a franchise or a club or a state um so yeah it can be a tricky one like moving for me once i'm ingrained in the group that's the sort of the group i want to be a part of but i i think just normalizing that um that eight weeks of the bbl is yeah whilst you want to be a part of a team and part of team success absolutely where that is might change based on opportunity, based on where you can get a game, based on a contract, um, based on what that list wants to do with their management, all which is completely in, in their, the clubs and franchises are entitled to do to try and have success. So um, in one way, we're a little bit probably behind. If we had this conversation in 20 years, I think it will be far more normal. If the BBL yeah. continues to grow at the rate it will be, I think you'll see a lot more player movement and that will just be quite normal as it is in America. Yep. The, the big bash is, I guess, the the main front that people see of cricket in Australia. Like you say, it's grown enormously. It's hugely popular. Um, is that kind of the format, T20 cricket, that you, you enjoy playing the most? Uh, it's an interesting one. I wouldn't say it's the... I would say I'd describe it as the, it is definitely the most exciting um, as a player, getting to go and play in front of crowds and atmospheres and... Um, yeah, you're on telly, you're on the mic, chatting to with past heroes of the game. But then on the same front, Sheffield Shield, which is sort of that more mundane, boring four-day cricket as people would see it, is 
probably the most rewarding cricket that we do play. Um, yeah, that's where we face some amazing bowlers, um, sometimes in bowler-friendly conditions. And, yeah, you do grind it out with 11 other guys before you uh, for four days. I, I do find it funny when I speak to some people that they – they go, see so you play for four days and no one won, that they can be a draw like that, that just gobsmacks them. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm probably, yeah, just your normal cricket lover who grew up watching Test cricket, but then also enjoyed watching the T20 as well and just, yeah, trying to play every single sort of format I can play. Yeah. But how, how do you manage the adjustment between the formats? I know that there is a little bit of a break there, but it's a completely different mentality playing T20, going out and ramping second ball to going out and you're on a green top and you're trying to just survive for two hours or something, get through a session. Yeah, it's right. I think I think at the moment it's just the as a modern-day cricketer, if you want to play all the formats, you just need to be able to do it. And it's just I think a lot of it's mental, really. Like at the end of the day, cricket is a game of decision-making and like we spend a lot of time putting in our processes in place for each different format. Um, so I sort of know how I want to go about each and each different format and we've got access to all the resources that we need to train um, and get the best out of ourselves. So there's no real excuse not to be prepared, whatever the format may be. Do you still pinch yourself being a professional cricketer? You, you've just been named again on the Cricket Victoria contract list, I think maybe eight, eight seasons in now to your career. Yeah, I probably should pinch myself more than I do, Jace, to be honest. Um, no, like I... I it's, it's never whilst sometimes it does get normal that you've been I've been there for a while now and played a fair amount of cricket um, but yeah anytime you sort of walk out there and you're in the heat of battle or from a BBL perspective you're out there playing a game and there's a crowd and the adrenaline's going um, yeah you can't really match those sort of feelings so yeah I, I guess I would say I would pinch myself every time I play really especially some of the venues that we're lucky enough to play at um, I mean, Adelaide Oval is just a beautiful place to play. One of my absolute favourites. Then you've got the contrasting Optus Stadium, this new loud light show. Um, yeah, the historic MCG, um, the SCG or the Gabba, just the history behind those venues. So, yeah, I, I do definitely appreciate how lucky I am to play at those venues. Um, yeah, year in and year out. Uh, that's one of my goals as a kid was to play at every sort of venue across Australia, which I ticked off a couple of years ago, which was brilliant. Uh, which was Optus Stadium was the last one on my list. So, uh, yeah, it's just cool memories. And even when I go and watch footy at the Gabba now, I, I just feel so fortunate that I was able to go and play cricket out there as well. Do you have a favourite ground that you've played at? Yeah, funnily enough, um, and yeah, you'd probably hear a lot of cricketers say this, the MCG would be number one purely just because of its history. And just when you yeah. walk out into the Coliseum, it's just, it's phenomenal. Especially when I was lucky enough in my second year at the BBL, I think there was nearly 63 or 64,000 crowd. Wow. Um, so that night was crazy cool. Um, but then from a pure, like just cricket sense, like seeing the old school Wood Adelaide Oval, and just the that's just a beautiful ground. That's the only way to describe it, really. I always love playing there. Maybe it helps that it's got short square boundaries and a very <laughs> flat wicket. Yeah, suits your game. Big uh, puller and hooker or puller, yeah. really. Yeah, that's as right. Well. Yeah, um, cricket is one truly global sport played all over the world. Um, gives a lot of opportunities to visit different parts of the world. Where has cricket taken you? 
yeah, you're so right, Jace. Um, hopefully many more ex- explorations for me in the future. That's sort of my goals and ambitions at the moment. Um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to go and play. We've played against England, Sri Lanka in the underage, in the underage stuff, Pakistan, Dubai, Papua New Guinea, obviously all around Australia. Uh, there's new American leagues forming, which I'd love to get involved in in the years to come. So, yeah, um, there's plenty of opportunities out there now. Um, there's, for me, it's probably just now doing the hard work in the T20 format to get my game to a level where um, I can maybe be recognised as one of those overseas players, uh, yeah. which can be hard to get the foot in the door. But, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm striving for at the moment. How does that work? I've been following the kind of... Um the the startup of the major league cricket in the USA and they they seem to have had a bit of momentum the the draft was on not that long ago how do you get involved with things like that is it is it you kind of self nominate or somebody comes to your association and says hey you got any players who want to be involved in a draft how does that work yeah i different leagues work differently um obviously some of the bigger ones have like a draft um, where you nominate yourself into the draft and then no different to the AFL combine. You just blokes are wanting to have their name read out. And then other ones is um, probably more so like your manager going and speaking and saying that you're interested. And then if the club or the franchise is interested as well, to be fair, um, to be a realistic chance to get into those sort of overseas franchise clubs where the team's only picking two or three internationals from around the world you really need to be killing our domestic big bash um, and or playing for Australia really. So it's a pretty, it's pretty like easy pathway to see. And the, the pathway in is quite direct. Uh, it's just about performing in our BBL here. And then hopefully that opens up some doors elsewhere. Yeah. And you have aspirations obviously to, to play in international leagues and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, I think, one of the great things about cricket is from that day one keeping at the MCG to now, um, there's just always something moving forward that you're trying to strive towards um, and working towards and working harder to get better to try and make it into the next thing that you're trying to achieve. And I think one of the great things about cricket is that you ne- you are never there. Like you're, you're never at always your room to destination. Like there's always something you're exp- aspiring to do, which means there's always something to be working on training there's always a goal, there's always an ambition. So it's always just there's something more each season that you're trying to achieve. So, yeah, from that personal growth and growth perspective, um, yeah, cricket's a great sort of ambassador for resilience because a lot of the time people look at what's really great in cricket, but it can also knock you down just as quickly. Um, There's a lot of days in cricket where it doesn't go your way and you just need to keep fronting up, keep working hard um, and staying patient. I mean, cricket's one of those ones, as I mentioned before, as a, a batter especially, you can't really have a bad quarter of football and then get to play the second quarter. If you have a bad quarter, you sit on the pine for the rest of the day with your teammates. Yeah. So, um, yeah, oh, I think one of the best things that cricket has taught me, which I can take for the rest of my life, is just real life resilience where like a lot of days don't go the way you would plan in the morning for them to go. And that's just, that's okay. That's part of, part of cricket. And I think a good thing for me, especially now with the birth of Finn, like I do, I've got a lot better at having the perspective around that to um, basically go, if I prepare and train as well as I can and do my best, like I might be disappointed, but there's nothing really else I can do apart from that. So I'm, I'm getting much better at accepting that as, as hard as it is sometimes in the moment. 
I I watch most big bash matches. I absolutely love my cricket. And what you've described there is almost kind of how I see you played the last season. You had you had some match winning innings, some real highs and some real lows. But it sounds yeah. like your mentality is to doesn't matter what happened last time. I'm out here. I'm batting at the top of the order. My job is to to do X, Y, and Z. And if it doesn't come off, well, so be it. But when it did come off on a few occasions during the last season, you know, you played match-winning innings. Yeah, that's right, Jason. I think in in something like T20, which is such a high-risk game and you do need to press the button pretty early to score, um, whilst you never want to accept it, you do need to accept that it's not going to go your way all the time and you are going to hit your third ball straight up the chimney and get caught. And I think it's trying not to let that derail your confidence too much and so what I try and do is just at the start of the tournament set about a process in a way that I want to play that I can refer back to in all 14 games and basically prepare, train the same way and know that over a period of 14 games, I'm probably going to miss out and make less than 15, seven or eight times. But in those five or six games where I do get going, try and capitalise and, and yeah, make a 60, 70, 80 off not many balls for the team and um, hopefully that leads to a victory. Yeah, they. I mean, cricket's such a stats-driven game. You can look at the numbers, but the numbers don't always tell the story. I mean, someone can look at the runs scored across a full season. At you know, the average might be a bit lower than someone else. Um, but but the contribution to winning games, and at the end of the day, it is a team game, and it's about contributing to the team winning matches. Yeah, you're dead right, Jason. Even like even in the shield stuff, for example, there's a lot of times which players which people wouldn't see on the scorecard, but where you're batting for a declaration or, um, yeah, the team needs you to go at a higher strike rate or, and you're doing these little things that are very much rewarded and applauded internally, but it, yeah, it might not be seen from the outside. So yeah, at the end of the day, when you're batting and playing, all I want is the respect and love of my teammates and to know that I'm doing everything I can to, for the team to be in a better position and yeah anything that anyone else thinks outside of that really is irrelevant. That's right. Um, you do spend a lot of time with your teammates and cricket is a game where you can spend a lot of time just sitting on the sidelines or sitting in the, the dugout or the dressing room while your team's batting. Um, th those relationships that you, you build with your teammates and the other members of the squad, um, that I imagine that, that they would know about your faith. How is that received in a high-performance environment and something that is kind of traditionally um, considered to be quite masculine and, you know, like a macho sort of environment? How's your faith perceived there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, get, I guess you'd have to say that consistency over a period of time, just trying to be a good person. Um, yeah, as I said before, all I've really tried to do is personally work really hard at my cricket and then whoever I've been lucky enough to play with and the teammates that I've lucky to be shared a change room with, I've just had some awesome teammates. And as I said before, some, some people who will, will be lifelong friends when cricket, cricket ends. So um, yeah, they're the sort of the people that I'm trying to earn their respect as, as a vice versa. And yeah, all I try and do basically is try and rock up to, to work and cricket each day and, work as hard as I can and try and be the best sort of person I can be. And um, yeah, when I put my head on the pillow at night and when cricket ends one day, that's all I'll try to say that I hope that I achieved. And if I can say that I that and I've had a positive influence on some people that I've had the journey of cricket with, then I'll be really happy.
That's brilliant. I, I do usually finish every podcast with a question. Um, you, you basically answered it there, though. The, so the question is, how does Sam Harper want to be remembered? And I think you just answered it by the impact you make on people. Yeah, definitely. Um, whilst highlights like winning that uh, the Marvel BBL Grand Final will forever be a memory, um, yeah, I'm a people's person and a relationship person and um, yeah, I'll be forever grateful to the lifelong friends and mates cricket's given me and the experiences along the way. Yeah, 100%. that's brilliant. I've got a couple of listener questions just as we finish. Uh, yep. First one is from Artie Shepherd. I put a shout out on social media pages for Press Toward the Goal. And he, I'm not sure if his is a question. I think it's more of a statement, but he said, Sam Harper is the real deal. Are you the real deal? Uh, I'm not sure about that, Jace, but I'll take those kind words from Artie. He's a lovely bloke as well. So, um, yeah, maybe Artie's the real deal. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm the real deal, but, yeah, I appreciate that, Artie. <laughs> yeah, Cricket Australia chaplain, Artie Shepherd. Um, another one here from Danny Cop came in on Instagram. Who's the scariest bowler you've faced? Uh, I only faced two or three balls of him, but when Joffre Archer was playing for the Hobart Hurricanes, especially in the T20 stuff where they only have to bowl four overs, they let loose for those 24 balls. It's usually pretty quick. So, yeah, he was and pretty he, scary when he was running in at me. And he came here kind of unheralded as well, didn't he? He hadn't made Yeah, so we didn't really know too much about him, but... We knew a lot about him when he started sending down rockets. <laughs> yeah. Final question. Uh, Brian Blomfield, one of my friends, messaged me earlier today and said, can you ask, if you were in charge of the BBL, what change would you make to the competition? Yeah, it's a good question. I think they've done a really good thing making it 10 games. Um, I think the people at home and the crowds and everything will appreciate a bit of a shorter season. Just a nice short, succinct season. Hopefully, we can get some of the test players in, involved and in, along with the best internationals possible. And I think that's going to make for an amazing product. Yeah, brilliant. So, everyone's doing a good job at Cricket Australia. <laughs> yeah, shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I've really appreciated your time, Sam. It's been great to have a chat with you. Um, and I look forward to following your progress, not only in Australian domestic cricket and the Big Bash, but hopefully we'll see you in some of those international franchise leagues in coming years as well. Awesome, Jace. Thanks so much, mate. Appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal, all one word. You can also find us on YouTube, where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.